Hello, this is Park Ranger Audubon J. Woodrower. From points across California, you're listening to the Disneyland edition of the Deers Unplugged. I'm free, but you roll over. <sighs> Everyone and welcome to this episode of the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion Disneyland Edition. This is the week of October 23rd, 2011, and I'm your host, Wayne Toygo. Joining me as always are my fellow Disneyland correspondents, Tony Spatel, Tom Bell, Nancy Johnson, and this week we are also joined by a couple of our special guests, Christy Summers, who is with us now, and Mary Jo Mulatto Willie, who will be joining us a little later. In this week's show, we're going to talk about the annual Passholders Party at Disneyland. And we're going to wrap up our Halloween season with a trip Nancy made out to the Forest Lawn Cemetery. All that, plus news and roundtable rapid fire on this edition of the Diz Unplugged. Greetings, fellow podcasters. How is everyone today? Hey, Wayne. Very good. Hello. Hi, Christy. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks oh, for having for me. <laughs> Should I be nervous? Not at all. Be afraid. <laughs> be very afraid. It's just us. Yeah, because we have six listeners, so you should be nervous. Oh, maybe five. Well, no. Yeah, 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 right. yeah, exactly. Oh, you're right. Yeah, we can't do that. We're going to lower our audience. <laughs> if we have the entire Turco audience. Turco or Nielsen listen. ratings. Yeah. I'll be narcissistic and listen, don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's move on to our housekeeping, and I'd like to start off by saying thanks to Jeff Giovanello for his very creative introduction to our show. Jeff, you may have an alternative career in doing voiceovers. And don't forget that we are still accepting introductions for our show. Just record them locally and send them to us at dlpodcast.com at wdwinfo.com next let's uh let's see what everybody else has i bet tony has some housekeeping for us yes we're up to one thousand five dollars we've reached the 50 percent and you know what remember if we go to 1995 i don't wear it and i'm okay with that (laughs) i'm okay with that i haven't figured out how to take money out of the account is it going to mysteriously of, shut down at 1995? I, 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 I'm not a good, I'm not, you know, I'm good with technology. I can't break in the code like that, but if I could learn how. But yeah, we're up to 1,005, so I'm excited about that. And yeah. just remember, if you want to donate for the, for me to run the Tinkerbell Health Marathon and Pixie Wings in a Tutu, go to tinyurl.com backslash dizrunner. And remind us again how quick that's coming up. Oh, man, you tell me this like I remember the day. <laughs> it's, it's the last January weekend in January. Something. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's coming. It's like right around the corner. Yeah, so people need to start stepping up. Or Should this... be like the 29th, January 29th. Yes, you're right, January 29th. So. Excellent. Thank you, Help Tony. Me out. How about anyone else? Uh, we had talked about the renovations going on on the block of Main Street where the Carnation Cafe all the way down to the new or to the uh, Plaza Pavilion, mm-hmm. um, which is now becoming the Jolly Holiday Bakery, and we've talked about that. But the Disney blog posted a, a more detailed version of the story 
And one thing they also mentioned that's new is that Refreshment Corner, Coke Corner, is also going to get some makeovers. Woo-hoo. So the whole block is getting getting made over starting in January once the Jolly Holiday Bakery opens up. That's really exciting. They that list, area they, hasn't uh, seen some they updates listed, in They listed some menu items for the bakery, which include an Angus roast beef salad with blue cheese, Ooh. a Caprese sandwich Ooh. with tomatoes, buffalo mozzarella, basil, um, and a classic pastrami Reuben. Oh, wait, wait, wait. A pastrami Reuben? I've been waiting for a pastrami. I love pastrami Reubens. I and hope they, I love this one. And they also said that Carnation Cafe will be adding milkshakes. Yay. And the Gibson Girl Ice Cream Parlor will be adding floats. Nice. Mm. And that's good because that will make the lines even longer. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe that's they're I, figuring out a better queue route. That's why I always go across the street to the ice cream little ice cream shop there by the lockers. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, you can't get the hard scoop there, can you? That's all soft serve. No, you get the hard scoop there. You do? Yeah. Wow. Learn something new every day. That's why you listen to the podcast. Okay, I've got something. Um, we talked about Iris, the Cirque du Soleil how do, how do show. Iris. I've been practicing that for the last two weeks and still don't get it. That's sad, Tom. That's <laughs> anyway, we talked about the wonderful uh, Cirque du Soleil show at Hollywood and Highland. Well, good news for annual pass holders. They get a 20% discount Woo. on categories 1, 2, and 3, which are actually the good seats. The only thing is it's uh, got some restrictions. It's, it's good for the Tuesday through Friday 8 p.m. shows and the Sunday 6.30 p.m. show, and that is for all scheduled shows up until January 13th, which, of course, begins Oscar season. So there you go. Very good. Cool. Anything discount else is a good discount. Absolutely. Any other housekeeping? Going once, going twice, and now it's on to Tom with the news. All right. Thank you, Wayne. A long one first to begin with, and then we'll get into some fun stuff. Dozens of leaded glass windows, brass rail chains, doorknobs, and drinking water fountains at some of Disneyland's most popular attractions expose children to high levels of lead, according to an environmental group that's seeking a court injunction recently to require the amusement park to cover the items or post health warnings. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Who's going to lick a window? You'd be surprised. (laughs) The Mateel Environmental Justice Foundation, wow, that's a big name, has filed a lawsuit in Orange County Superior Court, oh, filed a lawsuit in Orange County Superior Court in April against Walt Disney Parks and Resorts, alleging excessive use of, of lead in such commonly uh, touched objects as the sword and the stone, and the doorknobs at Minnie's house, and the stained glass windows at the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. And Disneyland Disney did not respond, so they're making the accusations public now, and fu- trying to file uh, and filing the court injunction to require them to comply. In court documents, Disney rejected the allegations and maintained that it has posted adequate warnings as required by state law. According to the spokesman Susie Brown, we have not seen the papers that are the recent papers that are being filed, so we can't comment specifically. However, the Disneyland Resort is in full compliance with the requirements of state law. And, of course, the Mateel Environmental Justice Foundation 
has done several sample, several rounds of tests on various items throughout the resort and have found lead exposures at the Haunted Mansion, Peter Pan, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. And the worst one they found was the Pinocchio window, the stained glass window, in the dining area of the Village House restaurant, which found a lead exposure of 350 micrograms. And according to them, the, according to the state law, Warnings are required if the exposure exceeds 0.5 micrograms. Oops, that's a That's, a big that's like, yeah, that's 700 times the... Yeah, but you know, nice. we don't actually know how they did these testings because right. they did these testings using people who were sneaking the testing equipment into the park. Well, and Theoretically, it was a finger wipe or something like that. Yeah, and I, I talked, I chatted a bit with Jack, our resident legal person that blogs for the Diz. And he was questioning the the way the lead is exposed. What he was saying is that the report is talking about tactile exposure, you know, on your fans, on your hands, mm-hmm. and that there's no standards for skin absorption. The standards are for oral or inhaled exposure. Oh wow. So it's it's just a weird thing, and I think the union's behind it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. One of our other listeners is an environmental lawyer, and she was um, exp- expressing some doubt on the consistency of the methods that they tried. Right, and they 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 supposedly tested it several different times and gotten ex- you know increased readings. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, all right, on to happier news. Two-time Academy Award-winning director John Lasseter will receive the 2,453rd star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame on November 1st. Lasseter is the chief creative officer at Pixar and Walt Disney Animation Studios, and is also the principal creative advisor for Walt Disney Imagineering. Ceremony takes place at 11.30 a.m. on November 1st, with Bonnie Hunt serving as guest speaker. The star will be located at 6834 Hollywood Boulevard in front of the El Capitan Theater. Nice location. Prime real estate. Definitely. I want to be there. Let me check my calendar. You hey, wait, you spent a whole two weeks practicing E Reese. I'm sure your calendar's wide open. I'm sure you can make it. <laughs> <laughs> That's my buddy John Lasseter, my drinking buddy John Lasseter. Uh-huh. Alright, and finally, recently more than fourteen thousand walkers arrived at dawn to Disneyland for the twenty first annual chalk walk in the park. 750 teams completed the 5K course, which wove through Disneyland, California Adventure, and Downtown Disney, raising $1.6 million for the Children's Hospital of Orange County. The chalk walk began with 1,400 walkers in 1991, running from the Main Place Mall in in Santa Ana to the Disneyland parking lot. Ten years ago, the event moved to a course inside Disneyland, although Disneyland's involvement dates back to the 1960s. There's nothing like seeing Main Street f- full with so many people coming together for such a good cause, said Alan Fazio, a Disney vice president who also sits on the Chalk Foundation's board of directors. And I'm ending with a happy story, and that's the news. Very good. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> Let's move on to rapid fire, and if you don't mind, I'll lead off with what's going on at the El Capitan Theater in Hollywood. The wonderful film The Nightmare Before Christmas is now playing, and this time it's in, drumroll please, 4D. 
The showing includes added special effects such as wind, fog, and snow, and there are several showings per day. You can also get a special Pumpkin King dinner experience next door at Disney's Soda Fountain and Studio Store. For between $40 and $52, you get dinner, cupcake decorating, a commemorative photo, and a special gift. The entrees include a New York steak, chicken cordon bleu, ravioli florentine, and spaghetti with meatballs. There's also a special blood punch. There are two seatings per day, and the dinner must be purchased in advance with your movie tickets. The Nightmare Before Christmas and the Pumpkin King Dinner Experience is playing now through November 3rd, and additional information is available on the El Capitan Theater website, and we'll be sure to include that with our show notes. Nancy? Yes. On, on to you for rapid fire. Rapid fire. I got to do something super fun today. Ralph Brennan's Jazz Kitchen had a haunted gingerbread house making workshop, and it was the 22nd and 23rd, and then again on the 30th of October. This is something if you like to build Christmas gingerbread houses, I strongly recommend that you look into this for next year. Um, one house kit comes with seats for two people as well as unlimited beverages. They have a little menu of special um, items for ordering, you know, kind of a limited um, menu scope. And they have a kid's menu as well as an adult menu. Um, And then they also provide, let's say I said free drinks. Free drinks is always important. Free food would be even better for the price. (laughs) Some some uh, bananas foster. Really, I mean, but it was a lot of fun. They provide the house, the icing, the candy to decorate it with. A couple of recommendations. If you are considering even doing their Christmas ones, which start up in late November, um, check the Ralph Brennan's website, and we'll have a link to that in the show notes. In late November, they'll start up the Christmas ones. Remember to bring a box to carry it back to your car with. And some folks actually brought... Um, nine by thirteen, you know, or I'm sorry, cookie, big cookie sheets, because they'll put your um, your house comes on a foil covered board, but in some ways it just doesn't feel stable enough to carry it all over the place. So, a couple things: if you want any really fancy or specific candies to decorate your house, then you just pick up a few on your own on the way. A lot of people apparently did that. So, it was a really neat experience. My kids absolutely adored it, and we will have a blog up on it this week as well. I wish I had unlimited free time so I could do all this kind of stuff. That sounds like so much fun. You know, I think Tom has time. I think he can do it. Dang. <laughs> well, I tell you, you, you know what I was really impressed with? My kids ended up with no orange or black icing on their clothing at all. Oh, that is the worst. <laughs> it is. I tell you, I had great teeth. <laughs> Were there a lot of people without kids there, or was it mostly kid-oriented? Um, there were a lot of people without kids. I mean, I would say it was about one-third, two-thirds. Um, one-third, no kids, you know, like adults. And I I did that actually the first year the Christmas one started. I went with a group of adults. I wanted to do it, but I'm always worried that when we get there, it's going to be, you know, really just toward little kids. So You know what I found the most of there is groups of families, like you know, extended families all coming together to do it together. That's fun. Fun. 
and getting multiple, you know, getting multiple houses. And oh, and you can also get a seat, um, one extra additional seat for like twelve bucks added on to the cost. So if you have, you know, two kids and one mom, or you know, whatever, or oh. three friends, you can all do the same kit. Oh, fun. Yeah, it was a great time. So look forward to that during the Christmas season. Very cool. Yeah. Okay, Tony, my friend, you're up. Okay, and this is specifically for Nancy, this rapid fire. <laughs> because no. you know how I This can only mean these... trouble. My no. heart is a flutter. Go ahead. No, because you know, as we've learned that I always learn that Nancy knows all these things that I don't know about. So here we go. A new multimedia steampunk exhibition. <laughs> open... <laughs> yes, opens this week at Museo in Anaheim. Steampunk History Beyond Imagination examines the origins of steampunk with a review of its scientific and literary sources. The show also offers a look at material steampunk culture with drawings, action figures, costumes, imaginary inventions, videos and photos and other items from steampunk events. So there's no truth to the rumor that Nancy is one of the guides. However, (laughs) just for, for people that don't know, Museo is... I gotta go my directionally challenged self is north of Disneyland on Harbor Boulevard, a few miles. You kind of get into downtown Anaheim. It's on my way home, and I always drive by it after I leave Disneyland. And um, it's located on 241 South Anaheim Boulevard, but it's right off of Harbor. It's open now through February 12th. The hours are 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Wednesdays through Sundays. It's $13 for adults, $9 for children, 12 and younger, free for children, three and younger. So it's this museum that's there and part of the where they're trying to redevelop part of Anaheim, and it's not that far away from Disneyland. So if you want to learn about steampunk, so you can talk to Nancy. I think there you we go. need to have a uh, podcast or field date, trip. Tony. I know. I think I need it. to. Well, yeah, but I'm scared because I know if I go, you're going to explain all this stuff to me. No, I'm not. I don't, we're going to have to like I don't stay know over. That and, much about it. I know, but I saw that and I went okay, and <laughs> the fact that it's so close. And of course, as I read the article. And the OC registered, there were a lot of the things that you said, again, proving that you know you have so much information in your head that I wasn't expecting. Okay, I have to be the steampunk one. So Cool. Well, you know what I just saw today down at uh, D Street was the box collector set of six steampunk vinylmations. I thought they were pretty cool. I took a picture. Uh, so, and then we'll have a link in the show notes to museo.org or com. Whatever. Oh, Thank you, Tony. You're welcome. That was for you. Excellent. Okay, Tom, take her away. All right. D23 tickets went on sale this week for their Disney and Dickens event. They are doubling up this year with two dates, December 5th and December 6th, starting at 3 p.m. at the Walt Disney Studios lot. The cost is 175 per person. The party begins in the Legends Plaza at 3 p.m., with hot cider, seasonal treats, and festive songs. Then moves over to a tour of the animation building, where all the magic was made, and then into the in, the screening room, Walt's screening room, where you'll get to see uh, animated shorts such as 1933's The Night Before Christmas, 1949 Donald Duck's short Toy Tinkers, and The Muppet Christmas Carol. And then the party moves to the Tam O'Shanter for dinner. Ooh. Nice. I've been there. It's awesome. Uh, holiday feast at the iconic Tam O'Shanter restaurant, which was one of Walt's favorite restaurants. 
And again, that's $175 per person. You have to be a D23 member, and you can bring one guest. And you can only go to one of the dates, December 5th or December 6th. Excellent. Check the D23 website for details. That sounds fun. All sounds like really fun events. Hey, Christy, do you, have a, do, you, do you have a rapid fire? I do, Tom. <laughs> Excellent. Fire away, Christy. Um, mine is also about D23. They're going to have uh, Mickey's of Glendale Friends and Family Trading Day. It's going to be on Saturday, November 12th from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. It's at the – have any of you ever been to Mickey's of Glendale? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yeah. No. Okay. Aww. Aww. Oh, Tony. <laughs> I, <laughs> been, I, I went to the – yeah, I know, so someday. Maybe someone will bring you as their guest. Maybe. Um, so it's at the WDI campus. It's at 1401 Flower Street in Glendale. You do have to be a D23 member, and you can bring one guest. They have uh, WDI exclusive pins. Um, they have this special set of sorcerer hat pins that usually they release when they open up Mickey's of Glendale. And also WDI, well, Walt Disney Imaginarian, I should say, exclusive merchandise, uh, T-shirts, uh, pens, pins, like anything you can think of, cups. Anything you want that has WGI on it, they have it. And we've purchased most of it <laughs> over the past few trips. So it's fun. Very nice. Okay, that'll about wrap, wrap, wrap up our rapid fire. And we have now been joined by our second special guest. Everyone knows her and loves her as Mary Jo. Mary Jo, say hello. Hi, how are you, Wayne, and everybody else? Hey, Mary Jo. Yeah, good. Hi, Mary Jo. And for our first topic this week, we're going to talk about the annual pass holders parties that have recently occurred at Disneyland. Christy and Mary Jo both got to attend, so why don't we start off, and Mary Jo, why don't you tell us a little bit about the event? Okay, well, this year, Disneyland had invited the annual pass holders to send in an RSVP, a special email saying that they would want to go to one of two events that were the annual pass holder appreciation events. They haven't held one for a really long time, so it was a nice surprise. We didn't know that this was happening. And the events were either going to be on October 12th or October 17th. You could say that you wanted to go on either day or both days, and they would choose for you. And all the pass holders could apply, I'll call it that way, And only a certain amount were accepted to it. And I think the number was 5,000. I'm not exactly sure. Christy, do you know? Did you count the number? (laughs) No, I certainly didn't count the number. That's the number I heard also, 5,000. Yeah. So was it 5,000 people accepted plus their three guests, or was it 5,000 total, including the three guests that each pass holder got to bring? I thought it was 5,000 total. I think it was 5,000 total. They, they, for a short while, they had a list of the names who um, got to go in, and I, I wish I had counted those names, and then we could have kind of, you know, gauged the number of people, but um, they took that off the the web kind of quickly. So well, rumor, this was, rumor this, was this party was initially invitations were sent out to annual pass holders who were Underutilizing their annual pass? I read that oh. too, and I I didn't get a notification, <laughs> and I would certainly fit that category. And then once those invitations, they didn't have enough people to respond to those invitations, then they put it out to the general annual pass but, population. It's the whole idea of rewarding the bad kids. 
come on, if we're good kids, we go use the park, use our pass, we should have been rewarded first. Well, the idea as I read it was this was trying to generate interest, and I also find this a little odd because they have a pass holder attendance issue right now with too many people coming into the park, and yet here were two events very specifically designated at pass holders to generate even more interest. Whatever the reason, I'm really happy they have it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Same here. That I was one of the ones chosen to to <laughs> go, and I my it was a funny thing because I applied for it. You had to have an active pass, be over 21, to apply for the to go, and but your guests had to have an annual pass, but it didn't matter how old they were. So I did that, and lo and behold, my pass expired October 9th. Oops. So I don't oh, know wow. if that had something to do with it, because I certainly renewed my pass the day that we went. So that, well, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. And I, and I was going to do it anyway, so I was... So we, which of the two went. days did you wind up going? I ended up going on October 12th, the first night. Which was what day of the week? Um, that was a Wednesday night. Okay, so middle of the week, and this it started when? Annual pass hold, you could check in at noon, but the event itself started at 8 p.m. Okay. So for people who wanted to go in early, and also since it was a limited number of people who were going to it, only part of the park was open. Only Main Street USA, Fantasyland, and Tomorrowland were open. And the theme of this particular appreciation event was Mickey Sensational. Um, to view the sensational parade and then a special viewing of the floats afterwards. And I'll get to that a little bit later. But the, typically, I mean, what they had is anybody could come in starting at noon. However, the whole party had to be together when you checked in. So, Christy, since my, did you go on the same day? No, we went on Monday the 17th. So Monday was the other day. And yes. the same, same hours started at 8 p.m., but you could check in at noon? Yeah, we could check in starting at noon, and then uh, obviously with your annual pass, you could get into the park, um, of course, with no limitation based on your annual pass. But then uh, the party started at 8. That was when the park closed. Okay. All right. Continue, Mary Jo. Okay, so I started, I actually got there around 7 p.m. My daughter, Kelly, um, couldn't get there until 7.30-ish, and the two friends, Leslie and Chris, who went, who I had invited, um, they were already there in the park waiting for me. And what we decided to do was to go on the Haunted Mansion holiday since that would not be open during the event. So I got there, and we didn't check in. We just went on the Haunted Mansion holiday. Once Kelly got there to the park, we went back out. We exited Disneyland because you had to check in at the ticket booths. And so all the entire party had to go to the ticket booths. It was very well organized, I thought. When I got there, there were several cast members manning the lines. I think all the ticket booths had people in there, and the the lines were a little bit long, but we were taken mm. care of quite quickly. And how about you, Christy? Did you have the same experience? Yeah, our experience was the same. We got there about 7 o'clock. Um, we ended up having one person in our party didn't get there until 7.30, um, so we had to wait for them to check in. Because, like you said, we did all have to check in together at the same time. But everything went pretty smoothly. We got our wristbands, and then they gave us um, kind of a menu of items that would be open and available for us during the event. 
They did the same with us. They gave us a little itinerary. Plus, another little added bonus they gave to us was a promotional code for the photo pass where we could get up to five pictures and they would be a dollar ninety nine each. So we thought that was pretty oh, cool. Wow. Yeah. You know, I have to say, I saw that on some blogs or reviews posted at the party after the twelfth. For us, uh, they were telling us that they were free. We ended up not being able. We didn't have the chance to get our photo pass picture taken, but they said that we had five free downloads when they gave us the card. So, well, and I think it's good for thirty days. So you should be able to still take pictures using those codes. That's Ooh, my understanding. Good tip. We're going back this weekend, so I'll have to go take some pictures. <laughs> so we, we did that. We got our wristbands. We got our little itinerary. And the first thing we did was go for food. So we went over to Pizza Port. And once we got to Pizza Port, and it was after the was before Was this before the party started or after the party started? This is after. We went. This okay. is at 8 o'clock. What, the what, important what, thing is, why did you go to Pizza Port? That's what <laughs> I'd like to know. <laughs> Kelly wanted pasta. That's all, okay. I, that's all I can say. At least you didn't eat the pizza. Do you know what other yeah. food locations were open? Um, yes. They had the Blue Ribbon Bakery was open. Um, the Coke Corner was open. Tomorrowland Terrace was open. Tomorrowland Terrace was open. Okay. And then the Ice Cream Parlor. How about Plaza, Plaza Inn? No. no, that closed because we actually tried to go there on our night and it was closed. So none of the big restaurants. No. Right, and and it was kind of funny. Well, I'll tell you what happened later. Once we were at Pizza Port, we found out once we got there, they had a list of the different special special items that were offered, and they did not include that in the itinerary. So we kind of thought that may have been last minute that they decided that they would have to be a special item at each location. So at Pizza Port, they had buffalo chicken pizza. Ooh. At Tomorrowland Terrace, they had a free sensational cupcake with a purchase of entree. And the cupcake was like a rainbow color. Really pretty. So I have pictures of those that I'll, I'll put up in when I do get the blog up. Coke Corner had a hot dog topped with macaroni and cheese and bacon bits. And what I had heard is that each of the eateries are going to have a gourmet burger. But since the Coke Corner just offers hot dogs, that this is going to be their gourmet hot dog. And they were trying it out at the AP event. And I talked to some people, and they said it was delicious. Of course, they didn't want to know how many calories were in it, but <laughs> they said it was really good. My dad had the mac and cheese hot dog, and he loved it. Really? What, can you share a little bit more of this mac and cheese hot dog? Um, I didn't. He went off on his own when he went to go try it, so I didn't get to take a bite. Is I, what <laughs> I think he didn't. I think he was trying to keep it all for himself. But um, it's a their normal hot dog, and then it's covered in the macaroni and cheese, and um, just has bacon on it. Sounds really yummy, though. So we after we ate, we decided to go on Space Mountain Ghost Galaxy since it was right there. The lines really weren't long. It was such a nice change from the Mickey's Halloween treat where it was just so crowded. Here. The lines were maybe twenty minutes for these for these attractions, and so we went on the Space Mountain Ghost Galaxy. By the time we were off of that, it was time to go get a space a spot for the parade, and the parade was at nine thirty. And I'm so glad that we got our spot and saw it because the energy that the performers had, the parade was just beautiful. I the more I see this parade, the more I like it. Now, do they sweep people out like they do with the Halloween party? 
Oh, yeah. It, yeah, I, I have to admit that when we walked in and saw all the people leaving, I did kind of have a little neener neener attitude. <laughs> mm-hmm. I tried not to let it show on my face, but I was very happy. <laughs> just, and just the, the hordes of people walking out. And then they did make sure that those of us who stayed had our wristbands. We wore ours pretty prominently, so we weren't questioned too much. They just checked. And then after that, it was just free reign through the parts of the park that were open. And we were pretty busy doing the different things. So we didn't even, I didn't even notice that the other parts of the park were closed. So you got to see the 930 parade, which means that occurred at night. Most yes. of the time, the regular parade times are in the daytime. So you got to see the floats all lit up with all the lighting effects that they have on the floats. How was that? It was beautiful. The the lights were just, the, excuse me, the colors were just so vibrant with the lights. And plus we had a full moon behind us. And for some, I don't know if the, I, I can't remember the other times, but it seemed that the all of the performers and entertainers had an extra bounce in their step. There, it was just so the whole parade was so high energy, all the dancers and they were, and the uh, the characters also were just really played at full tilt. I don't know how it was on the seventeenth, but we just loved it on the on the twelfth. Our experience was the same. Everyone had an extra bounce in their step. It was like you said, it was really high energy, and you could just feel the electricity coming off of the crowd, and it came back from the characters and all the performers. It was a lot of fun. Definitely a little bit more electricity than you see during the normal park hours. So we we saw the parade. Um, Also, we had a full moon. It was just beautiful. It was just a a fun, fun night. And after the parade was over, we went on the Matterhorn because we wanted to ride that at night. And the line was a little bit long for that, but we didn't care. We were just having fun. By this time, my daughter had kind of split off from us because some of her friends had also received an invite. And what we found out later is that there was an announcement on Main Street that there was going to be a panel um, of the people who designed the parade at Tomorrowland Terrace. So we missed out on seeing that panel. However, Kelly was there with her friends having, they were eating, and they heard the panel with their um interview regarding the parade and the design and the main person who designed it davison steve davison mm-hmm. steve mm-hmm. davison he wasn't there um i heard that he was there on the 17th but he wasn't there on the 12th they had the other designers talking about the parade and they they gave some um information that i hadn't known before so it makes it even i want to go see the parade again you know how they have hidden mickeys um and the different attractions at, throughout the parks in the parade, they don't have hidden Mickeys, but they have characters from other movies in on the floats. Oh, really? So, for instance, on the Tiana float, they have Evan Rude. And we got a good picture of Evan. Kelly got a good picture of Evan Rude. And then I think it's on the Mickey float. They have the owl from the sing-along songs, the Professor Owl. And the young chicks, the three sisters that are in all of these sing-along songs, they have them on that float. So I want to now. I want to go see the floats to see what else is there that I'm missing. That was actually something that uh, we were able to go see on this when we went on the 17th. We did catch the panel, and it, and Stephen Davidson, like you said, he was there. So it was really interesting to hear their perspective of how they 
came up with the idea for the for the parade and and what they wanted for it and just to see it come to life and they also had with them little models of the paper crafts that they made because when they originally made the models for the float they made them out of paper and they had a few of them with them so just to see them transformed from paper to this big larger than life scale and it still looks like paper although it's not it was really amazing i think that i think that the whole design for the parade is this is this is going to be one of my favorite parades. Besides some of the classics, uh, this is definitely a parade that I think is going to stay with us for a while. Parade's actually starting to grow on me. I I just really, especially after this night, this special night that Christy and I were able to uh, enjoy, I really really like it. And then uh, after the panel at ten thirty, some of the floats. Of course, they couldn't put all the floats because there's just not enough room on Main Street. But they put out some of the floats there for us to take a good, close look at them, at them and to take a picture by the float and with some of the characters. So they had Tiana's float, Mary Poppins' float, Aladdin, the Three Caballeros, and Peter Pan out there. I think that's all of them. Did you did I catch them all, Christy? Yes. Yeah, that sounds about the same that we had during our night. And it was neat, too, because they also, after the panel that we had, um, it was... The senior show director, John Addis, Jody Daly, and Kevin Kidney. I'm sure you guys have also heard of their artwork around the parks. They um, designed the concept art for the for the floats. And then Steve Davison, they came out to the Mary Poppins float, which personally is my favorite float in the parade. And so they were standing there with those paper models and just talking to the crowd. And uh, so it was neat to – you got to wait in line to take your pictures with the characters and the chimney sweeps, and then they were there and – completely approachable and you could just talk to them about anything really and they were right there and the characters they were awesome wherever they could they would pose for the cameras in between taking pictures for the people in line and so they they were just on show the whole time all of them and i think we we took our picture with the mary poppins float and the peter pan float because by that time the lines had pretty much died down let me see that started at 10 30 we spent over an hour looking at the floats. The details on them is just there. There's so much detail that you can't get it in one in one look. Definitely not. And I was concerned that they were going to take the floats back in after a certain time, or maybe they'd only have the characters out for say 20 minutes, 30 minutes max. But they were out there until because we were there until just before midnight, and the characters were still out there dancing, having fun with the people, interacting with everybody. So it was nice that there was no rushed feeling that I got. I have to go do this now before they kind of you know pull it back in. We got the same feeling, and it was so personal for all of us, mm-hmm. I think. It was just, if the intent was for the annual pass holders to feel appreciated, in my opinion, they succeeded. Even if we had to pay for our own food. The, the cupcake was free at Tomorrowland Terrace, mm-hmm. but the fact that they did have something special, and the character, excuse me, the cast members just seemed to pay a little bit more attention to us, and the characters totally interacted with us. It was it was just a good night. And then for us, we decided that after we see the floats, we'd go on Star Tours. It was walk-on. And I had only oh, been on it one time. So nice. not only did we walk on Star Tours, um, we were there. It was five minutes till the end of the night. And the cast member, um, Angie, she was fantastic. She let us stay on and go on it twice. Oh, nice. Did you get different, <laughs> nice. Did you get different planets? We did. We got different planets. She told us that they told her... Um, 
not to load anybody else. And she said, but I still have five minutes, so if you want to stay on, we're going to do this again. So we all cheered her. We all told her we loved her. (laughs) She was awesome. And then she was just very, very funny. And we did. We got two different planets, two totally different experiences. And I was curious to see if we would get a different experience, you know, one right after the other. And we did. So that was just creme de la creme. That was a wonderful way for us to end the evening. That's great. That's really great. So when uh, George Kilagridis was talking at the Expo about the special annual pass holder events, do you guys think that this was sort of the kickoff of that? Because then they also talked about um, events where you may have to pay, but they'll be a little bit more exclusive and for annual pass holders only. He he was referring to things like dinner inside the Haunted Mansion or experiencing uh, past attractions like what was he saying, Carousel of Progress? or No, America the Beautiful Circle Vision, things like that. Yes, yeah. Tahitian Terrace. Cool. Right. Yeah, one, one that I, yeah, Tahitian Terrace, that's the one that I heard that that really piqued my interest. <laughs> You're so going to that one if that happens. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I will pay money. So, Mary Jo, I found out about this, um, the Disney... Annual pass holder Disney Parks blog posted something on Facebook saying basically go check the blog for event information. And I saw that post within about 15, 20 minutes of when they actually posted the blog. How did you find out about it? I actually read about it on the Disboards. Somebody in our Disneyland forum um, had posted that the Disneyland was offering this and she put the link on and I jumped on it. So thank you to that poster. <laughs> Yay, Diz. <laughs> And then I think once I saw that, I, I uh, sent the link to other people so that they could have an opportunity to, to get on it also. And then also on a side note, I just wanted to add, at our panel when uh, Steve Davison was talking, he gave us a little hint that they are and confirmed that they are working on some special items for World of Color for the holiday show. So he I'm, said to look forward to that. I'm hearing oh. prep, prep and landing. Yay. Mm, prep and landing preview. Hmm. Oh, that'll be fun. Isn't there a new prep and landing coming out this year as well? Exactly. Yep. So it'll be a cross-promotional. Yeah. Yeah. My kids love prep and landing. (laughs) We do, too. It's cute. Well, very nice, you two. Excellent. I am so jealous, but uh, excited that you guys got to go to that. It just sounds like a wonderful thing. I hope they, uh, I hope they do continue this sort of thing. And I think you're right. I think this is a signal that we're going to see this parade around for quite a while. I would think certainly into next summer, right? I would think so. It's it's really a good parade, and it's so much fun. At least during the daytime, maybe we can get some parades with lights or something to come at night. Wouldn't that be a, a nice electric change? Thank you. Something at night. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want our parade back. Or bring Spectro, nice, Spectro Magic over. Uh, Personally, no, no, I love no, that no, parade. No, no, I thank you. I love it. Uh, I love it at Walt Disney World. <laughs> But I want our electrical, our Main Street electrical parade back at Disneyland. That would be wonderful. They had it before. They used to have a daytime parade, and then they would have the electrical parade at night. Yeah. I remember that well. Okay, you guys. Well, thank you very much. That was excellent. Really appreciate that a lot. Let's move on to our next topic. Nancy made a trip out to a very special location. Nancy, 
tell us where you went and why. Well, actually, I've done this a couple times now with my most recent visit being yesterday. Um, I went to a little place called Forest Lawn in Glendale. Little place? Okay. It's It's huge. Some of the forest lawns are smaller. (laughs) But this is the original Forest Lawn Memorial Park. It started off as a little cemetery kind of around the turn of the century. And it was actually one of the first California cemeteries to jump on the bandwagon for pre-selling funeral plots. Okay. <laughs> that that was not a thing that happened before like 1910 or so. People just didn't do it. So, this... Very interesting place. Has some very interesting history connected to Disney. It's probably not a surprise to most people who kind of figure it out. But it is the um, memorial park where Walt Disney and his family have their final resting place. Now, I know people are going to start throwing in about the cryo rumors. Oh, he's in cryo or his head's been cut off and buried underneath the park. I know you guys have heard that one. Oh, yes. <laughs> I heard it. I heard oh, yes. it. I we, we know. It's not a rumor. Everybody knows this one. Well, I have proof. I looked it up on Snopes and they said it's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought what a great thing to talk about during Halloween season, of course, when everybody thinks of creepy cemeteries, to actually talk about what a difference this is because you know a lot of people go and they always stop at the firehouse in Disneyland and they always want to go you know stare up at the eternal lamp and pay their respects to Walt but a lot of um, big Disney fans actually make it part of their Southern California vacation or their Disneyland vacation to go visit his final resting place how many who else besides me has actually been here I've been there I've never been, and I don't plan on ever going. <laughs> really? You, you know, well, you Tony, know, I, 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 go ahead. I was going to say, that brings up a lot of things, because a lot of people do feel, you know, weird about visiting cemeteries, because it's not something that people do anymore, hardly. I am a hypocrite, though, because when I was in college, and I was in Seattle, I saw Jimi Hendrix trade. So I'm basically just a hypocrite. <laughs> I'm not going to do it now. I regret well, that it's not Jimi Hendrix trade, but I'm see, a I was talking Ryan to some. The rule. I was talking to some people I worked with at my day job, and they were all like, "Well, you know, that's kind of weird to go to Walt Disney's grave." And I'm like, "Okay, how many people make pilgrimages to go see? Oh, I don't know, Jim Morrison's grave in England, and maybe they go over to the Chateau Marmont to see where uh, John Belushi and Marilyn Monroe passed away." I mean, a lot of people feel really drawn to these places. And there's such that stigma about, well, it's kind of weird, and I don't know. So I thought I would be one of the first shows to actually sit down and really talk about this, because it is something people want to see, and it's awkward. Ooh, taboo. So here we go. If you plan on visiting Forest Lawn, 
there's actually many more reasons to visit it. In fact, they're really familiar with tourists. Um, granted, it is one of the biggest memorial parks for um, celebrities and prominent elite people, um, but it is also it also has a huge collection of art and a lot of really nice chapels. People actually get married at Forest Lawn. For real? No. Yes. No, I can't do that. That's wrong. <laughs> you know, actually, one of the chapels there, Ronald Reagan and Jane Wyman got married in. And you see where that marriage ended up. Well, but still, I mean, it, it really is. And once you actually enter Forest Lawn, you kind of start getting a feel for why. First off, did you know they have the largest, um, the world's largest wrought iron gates? <laughs> that, uh, that, um, at or, or at the entrance to the cemetery. Once you pull into the cemetery, you will need to stop at the guard shack and be forewarned ahead of time. Don't go asking for, oh, I'd like to know where Walt Disney's grave is. They aren't going to tell you. They, due to um, family privacies and such like that, they cannot disclose the locations. And usually they do not disclose a list of the people who are, bi- are interred. I believe the official word, isn't it? Interred. Yep. Yes. So they, they don't like look at you and point and then wink? Like, no, there. not at all. Now, no. there are plenty of places on the Internet to find out where it is. And I'm not going to post exactly where it is. I'll kind of hint to the neighborhood of it. But that's partially out of um, the Forest Lawn regulations. You won't actually see a picture in the blog of the actual gravestone either, um, or marker stone, because... It's kind of tacky and not very good with uh, cemetery etiquette. But so it's not a private cemetery. The public is not. allowed to go in, but yes. you're going to have if you if you have a goal, you're going to have to do your homework. Yes, very much so. And in fact, when I was there yesterday, I actually ran into several couples who had little lists of things that they had printed out on the internet with names of people who were buried there in approximate locations. So what should one tell the guard? Um, just ask for a map. And based on some of the things I'm going to tell you here, you're going to be already familiar with it. And I'm, there's also going to be a scanned copy of the map in the uh, blog. So you can kind of get a feel for what's where. Now, this is not a small place. In fact, you're going to see actually a lot of joggers and bicyclists occasionally in it as well. Maybe you should run there, Tony. (laughs) It's an idea, man. There's a lot of hills. Yeah, but, okay, this this whole conversation is freaking me out. I know I'm just like, (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't like, that's why I'm quiet. I, I, I'm running. I, I probably run the fastest I'd ever run. When was the run. last time you so, were in a cemetery? Or in a memorial park, I should say, because cemeteries when, can kind of a not popular. Well, see, I, I went to a cemetery when somebody I knew died for a funeral. That's why I go to cemeteries. I'm sorry. I know yeah, I'm, I have to kind of side with Tony here. It's it's yeah. it's interesting, and I'm kind of chuckling out of I don't know what to do, but it's creepy. Well, but you have to think about it. A lot of people are raised in families and cultures where you make 
a journey. I mean, we had our once a month on Sunday growing up. We had our once a month on Sunday trip to the trip to the cemetery to go, you know, lay a flower on the on my great grandparents' graves and and just kind of. Okay, so now I feel horrible. Thanks, Nancy. Now me and Wayne are jerks because we no. No, it's just right, a no. different culture. I it's mean, a different no, culture. No, no, no you're and right. Right. It what is. What I what I found really interesting as I drove through Forest Lawn was how many people come and tend their relatives' graves. There was a pair of um, pair of women in you know the big um, Chinese um, sun hats. You know, the woven wicker sun hats. Just digging and planting and cleaning the weeds. And I mean, Forest Lawn does an amazing job of that, don't get me wrong. But they were really kind of just spending some time and tending their relatives. And another. See, that I can appreciate. That, that's and, pretty cool. And another family, you know, had a little blanket set up by the, their relatives' tombstone and were having, you know, a little bit of lunch. But this was also in the newer section of the cemetery in the far back. Regardless, there are a few rules. Once you get your map, you know, of course, you should obey the speed limits. Um, 13 miles an hour? Dear. It's probably a little more like 15. Um, But you should um, don't bring pets with you. It's illegal (laughs) to consume alcohol in a cemetery. It's illegal to pick flowers or um, memorial things off of a gravesite. It is a felony in the state of California. A felony? Jeez. Yes. Wow. I'm learning a lot. Um, Nancy, I always learn when you have a segment. You know, I didn't know that either until I saw the little sign as I drove by. <laughs> oh, as you were as you were putting back the thing that you had stolen. Oops, <laughs> I got to put that back. Um, now, the biggest thing... To for people who are going to visit Forest Lawn as a tourist, is their photography guidelines. It's important to know that all photography, still or video, inside buildings is prohibited, except at funerals, weddings, and other private services, with, of course, permission from the person in charge of it. And no commercial or professional photography under any circumstances without the express written consent of Forest Lawn. So that's a biggie. Um, And the reason it's a biggie is for a couple of the sites that I'm going to talk about here in a little bit. So the other thing to know is as you're driving around or walking around Forest Lawn, if there is a funeral in progress, please be courteous. Please be polite. And, you know, this isn't a party place, which is all good. So, you know, don't wear hoochie clothes. It's oh, just out of respect. That, okay, I have to be honest. That's the reason I don't go to cemeteries because I love <laughs> wearing like my wear, hoochie. Like <laughs> I like wearing my hoochie clothes. You still got that tube top, Tony? Yeah, I do. I'm wearing it right now, actually. <laughs> Visual image for everything. Oh God, poking my eyes out now. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Back to the seriousness of this. Back to the seriousness. It's important to know Forest Lawn is open from eight to five, except for during daylight savings time, which is open till six. Um, and if you want to see the one of the big sites, which is the Great Mausoleum, they have a little more restricted hours between 9 and 4.30. Now, after going a couple times and kind of experiencing stuff, there's a couple things I've discovered. 
and this was just out of my own personal my own personal thing. Forest Lawn is a one stop shopping for all your cemetery and funeral needs. <laughs> and well, yeah, it's actually one of the first. Wrong. It's and we'll have links to that in the show notes. Oh, yes. and, and, and in full disclosure, we do not have any business financial relationship. Thank you. Thank Lawn. you. <laughs> one of the that was apparently one of the most important things to the early company that bought Forest Lawn um, back in the twenties is that they wanted people to have an easy time of everything. So not only could they make their arrangements on the property, they could buy floral arrangements for the funeral. They have a mortuary. I mean, they have a, yeah, they have a mortuary. They have churches throughout the site. So, you know, pretty much all of your needs are taken care of in a convenient location. Like this time around, I actually decided to go ahead and stop and buy a flower for Walt's grave. And was surprised to find that I could walk in and for $2, I could buy a really nice stem flower and take it with me, you know, just a single stem. So if you're looking for something, you know, to if you feel like you need to leave something, leave something respectful as opposed to weird garbage that's going to get thrown away. Does that make sense? Sure. Of course. I mean, a lot of it. One t- the first time I was there, there was an, a very odd stuffed Peter Pan hanging from the tree, and you know the cemetery people are going to take that down. Just one of those things. Don't spend a lot of money on something that you know is is eventually going to get tossed anyway. Exactly. Exactly. Once you've bought your flower, if you feel so inclined, at the administration building. Then you're going to make your way up through the cemetery. Now, with all of the things that there are to see, it's kind of nice to actually go slow and take your time. The now, grounds, are you, now, are you walking or driving? You're driving. Okay. Oh, my gosh. I wouldn't walk this sucker. Okay. Unless I was a real fitness buff, I would not walk this. It's a lot of slopes. Forest Lawn is actually built onto a small mountain, hill, large foothill. I guess it's more of a large foothill. Um, and it's actually in the middle of a neighborhood. So certain parts of Forest Lawn, you actually see the fence, and there's people's backyards on the other side, which Creepy. to me brought yeah. to mind, well, if it were any other place than Forest Lawn, I might think it was creepy. But this place is so amazingly restful and beautiful that it almost doesn't bug you as much as all those B-horror films. Can you see some of this property from the Universal upper lot? I think so. There's actually actually the largest um, the largest and newest building on property, which is the um, the Hall of um, the Crucifixion and Resurrection, which was built in 1951, that is actually seen from all sorts of places. You can even see it from the freeway. It's a white building with a very tall white cross. And it sits at one of the highest points in the Memorial Park. And that's a really interesting building. In fact, I would recommend, if you're coming to look at some of the artwork um, in the park, to start there. 
And the reason being is the um, Hall of um, of Crucifixion and Resurrection and the um, the church that's in front of it. They also have a museum right next to it as well. The founder of Forest Lawn, or the major developer, he wasn't actually the first owner, but he was the major developer, a man named Hubert Eaton, um, was a huge, huge art collector. And Forest Lawn, actually, in their museum, has a really extensive collection of small bronze statues. They have an actual Easter Island um, sculpture named Henry. <laughs> yes. Built like or representative of? No, it is actually an Easter Island statue that was found as a boat anchor. Okay. Some some um, people on an island near there were using it as a boat anchor. This was before they passed the law saying you couldn't remove anything from Easter Island. So it is an actual, um, what do they call them? Noah's or Roa's or something like that. Anyway, he was also a huge fan of Michelangelo and actually commissioned several exact cop, exact replicas of Mike, all of Michelangelo's work that are scattered in marble throughout the whole, um, facility. The Church of the Crucifixion Resurrection actually has a painting that was on display at the 1904 World's Fair, it's like 195 feet by 45 feet. And it's mounted in this big giant, um, this big giant theater, basically. Theater slash, you know, chapel. Once you finish in that area of the cemetery, I would then head over to the Great Mausoleum. This is where you can see a replica of the Last Supper painting in stained glass. And it, this was actually painted in Italy in the location of the Last Supper. They matched all the colors. It's pretty cool. But that's where also the bulk of the Michelangelo um, pieces are. And Elizabeth Taylor is actually buried in there in that mausoleum. Now, the place that y'all are going to be most interested in is in the upper half, in the upper quadrant of the cemetery. And that is the Court of Freedom. Now, this is a really, really interesting place. They have a sculpture called the Republic, and it was actually sculpted by the guy who did Lincoln for the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. They also actually have a... They also have a big sculpture of George Washington, which was actually commissioned by Congress. And nobody paid for it, so Farslan bought it. <laughs> I actually got choked up when I was in that section. It's, it's, it's so amazing. It's patriotic. It's so beautiful. There's a beautiful mosaic, um, which is a replica of Trumbull's painting of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. It's huge. And then this place is also interesting, too, because it has lots of uh, terraced walls, which create these little private gardens. And so it's very, it's a very intricate area. The other thing that's really cool that's worth mentioning there, and they can't prove it is and they can't prove it isn't, but there are seven 350-pound chain links, which are called the Freedom Chain. And apparently they are rumored to be actual links 
from 1776 that George Washington had commissioned to be able to be raised to block the Hudson River from British ships. Very weird. Anyway, all of this stuff is is things to actually take your time and look at while you're here on the way to Walt. Now, you'll be able to kind of figure out where in the Freedom Memorial, in the Court of Freedom, it is that he is um, that he resides because you will probably see at any given time one or two or three or four people heading that way. I know when I was there yesterday, as I was heading there, there was a couple coming out, and as I was visiting, another pair of couples came in. So it's in a corner, and it is a private garden. He is not out on a hill, on a slope, whatever. There's not a huge public great... area. Yes. He's in a private area? He's in a little private, short-walled corner with a gate. The way most people recognize it is there's a very um, small, slightly worn sculpture of a little girl on a rock weeping. And it's actually a sculpture taken from the original version of The Little Mermaid, which Walt was inspired um, to do once upon a time, because he had actually had the idea for that movie many, many years, and it got shoveled under the table. Right, right. So, it is an amazing place to go for a vantage point of the whole Glendale Burbank Valley area. It's so, an amazing place if you're into sculpture. So in to this take little pictures. garden area, yes, is he alone or are there many people in this area? No, it is. It is a family plot in this. In his particular plot, plot it is a family plot, the and Disney on the wall, family. Yes. Ah. Okay. Okay. Um, there is a little marker on the wall, which okay. is the residence of the of the plot. And it's beautiful because it doesn't look like a traditional plot with headstones. Okay. There are flowers, there are trees. Looks like a garden. It is. It's a garden. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And it's very apropos. In fact, there's a little bench inside. Now, there there is a rule in Forest Lawn that if the gate is open, you are welcome to go in. Okay. That doesn't stop most people just to okay let well you that's know. a courtesy thing it, it's a courtesy thing and I think as long as you're polite and respectful and quiet I don't think anybody's really gonna mind I mean I certainly didn't see any groundskeepers preventing anyone from going in there why would the gate be closed if someone from the family was there or something like that the gates are on those types of plots. It's, I mean, it's one of those little short, you know, only a couple foot high gates. And usually they just keep those closed, okay. just as a, as a boundary for the for the plot in that particular type of environment. You know, this place doesn't have a lot of big, elaborate headstones, but so what marks Walt's location? You would find him in a courtyard near the Freedom Mausoleum. 
I think he means what kind of headstone. What kind yeah. of headstone? Yeah. There is actually no headstone. It is literally on the wall. It's a like plaque said, on the it's wall. A, it's a corner plot, and the, the stone is up, is up on the wall. So it's oh. more of a embedded into the wall. Oh. Yes. Okay, okay. So um, he, and, he and Lillian reside there, as well as their older daughter, Sharon, and her husband. I'm sorry. Maybe I missed something. Is this a mausoleum-type plot? No. Okay. The, the interesting thing about Forest Lawn is they have all kinds of little terracing and mm-hmm. little short walls. Mm-hmm. And it's just sort of a little walk into a garden kind of thing. Okay. If you didn't and, know and you were in a... Go ahead, Mary Jo. I was going to say, if you didn't know you were in a cemetery, you wouldn't realize that that's where Walt is buried. Because it looks more like a dedication plaque on, the, on a wall in a garden. Okay. Okay. And there, there wow. are several of these types of things all throughout Forest Lawn. That's that's not what I would have expected, but that's actually very cool. Yeah, it is. And like I said, there's a little uh, marble bench, a little white marble bench just inside the gate where you can sit and think. One of the things I found myself thinking about is the fact that, you know, if it weren't for Walt, we wouldn't all be together doing this. That is true. You know, and it's been a blessing. I mean, you know, knowing all of you guys and being mm-hmm. able to work with y'all. So, so it's a great place to kind of contemplate all of that. So, you're standing there. Did it get you? Oh, yeah. It always does. I mean, I've, I'm hearing you tell this now, and now that we've kind of gotten to it... I think it would get to me. I think in a second it would get to me. Yeah. It really is to know that, you know, the person whose drive and ambition inspired so many people to do so many things, um, to really change the lives of the entertainment industry, to change the, change our lives in a daily basis. I mean, Disney fans were one heck of a much, but... Considering how many people who aren't Disney fans that have been touched by the products that have come from his company with the traditions he and his brother have set. I mean, that really, oh, here I'm getting all, I'm getting all verklempt here. <laughs> who, um, who all is with Walt? Walt and Lily, and did and, you recognize anyone else? And, and his daughter Sharon. Okay. And her husband. Okay. And that's, I mean, there's obviously room for more. Uh-huh. Um, for more of the Disney family as they should come or if they choose to come there. But it is actually a very special and very prominent little area. Apparently, Stray- Spencer Tracy and Errol Flynn are nearby him. Hmm. Hmm. In the garden next, in the garden section next door. Not right next to him, but... But it's, think- it was considered an area that, you know, people who were heroic or prominent, you know, who really had a patriotic vein, and Lord only knows Walt Disney had a patriotic vein. You've been Mary Jo? I'm, yeah? 
Yeah, I went there uh, this summer when Yvette and Emil came out for the oh, yeah. ABD trip, oh, and yeah. we spent a day and we went to Forest Lawn Cemetery. And we did saw we went to Walt's garden, and I know I got choked up just thinking how he touched all of us. And like Nancy said, you know, we wouldn't have the friends that we have and the relationships if it hadn't have been for um, his vision. And like Tony, I never had any desire to go to Forest Lawn. After visiting it with Yvette and Emil, and in my opinion, if somebody's going to go to Disneyland and go to Los Angeles, to me, it's a must-see. Wow. It's You've got uh, me I, talked into it. Okay. I mean, <laughs> when, you, was, when you come down, we got to go, Wayne. This was yeah. not even on my list until this segment, and now... I think I'm looking at it in a little different light. How about you, Christy? Have you been? No, I've never been, but I agree. Maybe we need a little disunplugged field trip to go over there. There we go. That that would be interesting. That's a great idea. You know, I've lived five miles from it for the last ten years, and I've never even, as much of a Disney fan as I've been, I've never found it within myself to actually go. But... I tell you, yesterday morning, I had a lot of things on my mind, a lot of things to do. I went there and spent four hours. Really? In the cemetery, driving around, looking at different things, photographing. It's just very, very inspiring. Yeah, it's a a truly beautiful park. I felt so relaxed. And what was interesting, and the reason I said go see the other stuff first and then come to Walt's Grave last, is when you come to Walt's Grave and that whole section of the park, there's such a serenity and such a peacefulness and such a relaxing... I don't know how to explain it other than that. I know it sounds weird, but I felt so at peace with myself. Because, you know, my family is all interred back in Missouri, and I can't go visit my mother's grave. I can't go, you know, do all that stuff. And it was almost a way like I was visiting her as well. So mm-hmm. it, it kind of brought a nice sense of balance, and I felt really refreshed and relaxed to go home and, you know, deal with the family, deal with the kids. And, and it was just, it was very enriching. I think that's a great word to use to describe it, enriching. Thanks, Nancy. That um, Wow, that was not what I expected, but thank you for that. I appreciate that. Um, taking a deep breath. Thank you to everyone. Thank you to my special guests, Christy Summers. Thank you very much for joining us today. Mary Jo Mulatto-Willie, thank you as always. Looking forward to seeing everyone back at the park. That'll do it for this edition of the Diz Unplugged Disneyland Edition. Thanks to all our listeners. We'll see you again next time.